Christian, and then uh, some will say, well, prayer is me going off and uh, just letting go of everything and not caring about anything and kind of just emptying my mind and my, and my, and my body. And, um, the kind of prayer that we're going to talk about today is the prayer that's in the Bible. We're going to talk about the prayer that God has for us. And these, these other things are, um, they're, they're, they're basically humans trying to reach out to the infinite. I mean, that's really what prayer in a lot of ways is. But it's all focused inward. It's focused into, I will let go of all the things that I care about. I will self-discipline and I will reach a, a point of, of, of this. I will, I will enforce something inside of me versus uh, what, what biblical prayer is, which is relational. Now, the church has gotten this wrong, too, so I don't want to throw everyone else under the bus and say, look, the church does everything right, because uh, there's been a lot of false doctrines when dealing with prayer in the church. I remember a few years ago, uh, if this might date me, but there was a, uh, there was a book going around uh, called The Prayer of Jabez, and it was just this, uh, this two-line prayer from First Chronicles where Jabez prays um, for that his, uh, his, cattle, his, his land would be expanded and God blesses him. And there was, it was, you know, not a bad thing to pray. You know, God bless me, God bless these things, and God does. Um, people were taking that book and turning it into a, into a formula. They were turning it into, I pray this way and God blesses me. I will make God do this because I do this this way. And that was, that was going through the evangelical circles um, quite a few years ago. But, like, uh, the, the problem with taking that prayer out of context is it doesn't talk about all of Jabez's life before that. It doesn't talk about the relationship he had with God. It doesn't talk about how, you know, what, what, what was involved in that. Uh, and so when we talk about prayer, that's, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about a life. We're talking about... Um, a relationship with God. I, um, I think I've mentioned this to you guys before, but I, I was reading a book on breathing because uh, I found it super interesting, and it was just um, uh, it was how it was breathing through your nose versus breathing through your mouth. Uh, and you wouldn't think, okay, is that a big thing? Like I didn't think it was a big thing. I just know that when I breathe through my mouth, I snore at night, and it wakes people up. Uh, but like, uh, so I just kind of just. Read this book is full of science and full of like you know this 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 was ancient you know people said you know you've got to breathe through your your, your nose uh, the uh, Native Americans would, would uh, pinch their their babies' mouths closed at night to make sure that they breathe through their nose uh, and so like they, they talked about it being a health thing and and um, I think uh, in a very similar way that Christians look at prayer as like what's the technique. Do I breathe through my nose? Do I say in Jesus' name at the uh, in Jesus' name, Amen? At, at the end, do I say Our Father in heaven? Like, what do I put in here to make this technique right? To make this right before God? It's a good desire to want to be want it to be right before the Lord. But um, when we when we're thinking about that that breathing technique, or we think about prayer, uh, I think the, the 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 fact that prayer is the breathing, it's not the technique. It's the you know whether you breathe through your nose or breathe through your mouth, that's great, you're alive, right? So like, the, when we talk about prayer, we're talking about, about an active life of, 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 of a Christian. So, so the Bible is 
filled with uh, powerful acts of prayer throughout the Old and the New Testament. There's healing, there's provision, there's exorcism, there's uh, exhortation, there's, there's uh, protection, blessing, thanksgiving. There's a long list of, um, of these amazing works in the Bible, and we look for those, and we, and we say, like, okay, where, uh, where is that today? And um, you can even see uh, every, everything that I've read about every single revival that there has ever been has always been centered and focused and originated in prayer. And so, like, when I, we, a lot of times we see this surface power, this, these healings, this, this revival. We read, read about all these, you know, thousands and thousands of getting saved, and it's, it's the prayer, it's, 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 it's the prayer, it's that relationship that grows that needs to um, uh, also just needs to be highlighted, and that needs to be where we need to start. We want to, you want to see God's power in your life, start with prayer. Um, so true prayer is not a formula. It, uh, it recognizes, one, the authority of God. It recognizes, two, that prayer is a relational thing, me and God, us and God. Uh, and it, it's, it's powerful. Uh, the same prayer, the same power, same Holy Spirit in the Bible is the same Holy Spirit today. Uh, and it's spirit-led. Okay? And so we're going to talk about all those things. Uh, but before we get into that, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we want to come before you, Lord. We want our lives dedicated to you. We want our prayers to just reflect our relationship, Lord. We want, uh, we want to be drawn in so deep, Lord. We want prayer to be this, uh, just this natural thing, this natural expression of our relationship, Lord. We want our prayers to always be in your will, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Sorry, I forgot I can take this off. That's so much better. Um, yeah, we're going to be in James 5. So if you want to turn there or turn your smartphone there. We're in 5.16. All right. Let me go ahead and read it. It says, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another, that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain for three years. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain. And the earth bore its fruit. So it's important. Um, whenever you see a therefore in the Bible, look up. It's just generally a good rule. And so the first word in, in here was therefore. So I think we need to take a little little look up. But we're going to be uh, talking. Uh, this therefore is here. Um, in fact, this is the conclusion of the book of James. And uh, he's concluding a section on, on, on prayer, the whole book. The, the section started back in verse 13, but uh, it's really kind of, James is telling the church, this is what good speech looks like. If you read, if you read, if you're familiar with the book of James, it's where he talks about your, your tongue is like a fire and it's, it's like all these things, and he's in contrast, you know, good speech and this, uh, bad speech, and this is, the prayer section is what is good speech. This is the speech that I want the church to have. Um, but if we look up in verse 15, it says, um, and the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, 
and the Lord will raise him up, and if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. I wanted to highlight this uh, because what we're um, going to be talking about initially, I said, was that the prayer is in the authority of God, and prayer has to acknowledge and be centered in that authority. In fact, I would argue that all prayer is about God's righteousness, or at least it's rooted in God's righteousness. It has to be rooted in who God is. Otherwise, it's not prayer, it's broadcasting. Um, so when I say this, I, w- I want you to, to understand this is, this is intentionally controversial. When, we, when I talk about prayer, faith is not enough. It's not enough to say, I have enough faith and it's going to happen. It has to be founded in the sovereign will of God. Faith isn't like this gasoline that gets the engine going, okay? God is the power behind it. Our faith, we're, we're honored to be a part of what God does. We're honored to, be, to have faith. He, he requires that. But um, so many, throughout the ages, so many Christians have taken this scripture out of context and turned it into, you're not healed because you have faith. You don't have enough faith. You're not this because you don't have enough faith. You know, this is lacking in your life. You're, you're sick. You've got a disease. You, 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 know, you have no money. Whatever it is, because you don't have enough faith. And that is a dangerous, dangerous doctrine. Um, the, 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 the one glaring problem with that, specifically with this verse, because if you, again, look up a little bit further, he's actually talking about the prayer of the elders of the church. In, in 13 it says, you know, if, you, um, if you're sick, call on the elders to pray for you. And then it says prayer of faith. So uh, to be clear, like if we stopped just there, we would see that actually the failure in faith of healing is actually on the elders, but that's not even enough. The main problem with this view is that it makes God into a faith puppet. I have enough faith and God will do whatever I want him to do. It is faith in conjunction with God's sovereign will that has the power of healing and has the power of anything. And uh, frankly, if it's God's will to be glorified by your sickness, by your health, by your pain, by um, whatever it is, then that's God's will. And you need to find a way to glorify him in that. So, as we look through the New Testament, there's all these examples. And just to pick a few, Paul, for example, he prays three times that God would remove that thorn in his flesh. And God says, no, my grace is sufficient for you. Timothy, Pastor Timothy, has a stomach problem. And Paul doesn't, Paul doesn't say, you know, continue praying. He says, take some wine for your stomach problem. Right? Uh, were they lacking faith? I, 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 would, I would argue against that. When Jesus was confronted with a blind man, uh, the, the rabbis tell him, who sinned, this man or his, or his, um, his parents? And Jesus says, neither. But he's, he's this way so God can be glorified. And then God, and then he heals him. Um, so again, faith is, faith is important, but it's not the entire picture. It's God's will. Um, in, in John 14, Jesus explains it this way. He says, if you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. And to be clear, in my name doesn't mean put Jesus' name at the end. In Jesus' name, amen, boom, it's going to happen. It means in the will of the Father. In his will. In my name means in his will. 
And this extends beyond healing. I think um, I often think about the prayer that Jesus had uh, in the Garden of Gethsemane, where he says, "God, if there's any way to get this, to let this cup pass, if there's any way to to to, to save humanity without me going through this, let it be. But let Your will be done." And that's the prayer that we need to have when we talk about healing. We talk about anything. Lord, I faithfully pray You've got the power to do this, but it's also Your will that I want done. So we are limiting who God is by claiming that our faith is what makes prayers powerful. If he is the God of the universe, he's able to decide, again, whether that sickness, health, whatever it is, glorifies him, we want to glorify him. So continuing in 16, he says, if um, therefore confess your sins one to another, uh, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. James' first exhortation here is to confess our sins. One of the greatest, I think, uh, hindrances to the Christian life is when we compartmentalize it apart from the, 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 the holy, the sacred, and the secular. When we separate these two, we put a split down the middle of ourselves. When I say, like, the things I do at work, that's my work life. And it will never impact the things I do in church. Or the things I do in church, that's church. It will never impact what I do in work. And when I split those apart, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm two-faced, really, internally. I'm struggling because I've basically established for myself two masters. Uh, I've got two things that are, um, that are, that are, that are taking my time. And, I, I've, and it doesn't even have to be a conscious decision. A lot of times we can do this internally. Uh, I can take... Uh, all the things I do, okay, I'm reading the Bible, I'm praying, I'm singing worship, that's pleasing God. Oh, I've got to mow my lawn, I've got to do the dishes. That's okay, but you know, it's not really the holy things. Now, I would argue that those might be more important. You know, uh, spending time with the Lord is, is, is significant, but uh, it's not any less holy. And, the, and when we separate these two, like we... Uh, we are, we are taking away from what God has called holy. Um, James is exhorting um, us to confess our sins, to bring that outside world into the church. Otherwise, what good is the church? Really, honestly, if there's trouble going on outside and we're not bringing it in, into each other and asking for prayer, then, then why are we here, really? we become Sunday Christians and Monday, you know, uh, iron workers or whatever, whatever you guys do. Um, I know what some of you do. You know, like, uh, like separating those two is, is, is dangerous. In fact, I love the picture of Paul uh, uh, when he is so busy trying to fund things. He goes off and he, he's making tents. And he has got no time to preach. But even in that, they would take his sweatbands and people would be healed from them. Like, that was holy. God, you know, God was using that. God's going to use mowing your lawn or whatever it is. But let, it, let those things come together. Bring the outside world into the church. Bring the church into the outside world. Okay? Um, Jesus describes it this way. He says, I always do things that are pleasing to him, speaking of God. A.W. Tozer calls this the total life. When these things are stuck together, because then we're, you're a whole human being. Uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer calls it life together, right? He talks about these things, just like, this is who we should be as the church. Bring, bring it in. Be honest with each other. Pray for each other. And let the healing come. 
And then we see that prayer is also a relationship issue. Prayer is relational. We continue on where he talks about Elijah down here. It says in verse 17, um, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain for three years and six months. It did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and uh, heaven gave rain, and uh, the earth bore its fruit. We're going to continue talking about that, but also um, later on, Elijah has a, I think, I think we might have recently talked about it last week, but uh, Elijah uh, was the prophet who, if you remember from, uh, from Sunday school, who had uh, the, uh, the, the, he was facing the prophets of Baal, and there were the two altars, and the, he said, you know, we're going we're gonna, to, all right, Israel, you're, you're, you're two-faced, you're, you're dealing with these, uh, these, these false prophets, and you've got, you've got the real God. And now we're going we're gonna to lay it down. And he, he goes through and he says, um, they, they build up an altar for uh, the prophets of Baal, build up an altar for themselves, and he repairs the altar of God. And then he says, okay, now call down fire. And the, and the uh, Baal priests, they dance around all day trying to make the fire happen, and nothing, absolutely nothing happens. So Percy starts mocking him. It's kind of a funny little thing. Uh, but then he prays once, and God just zaps. The, the, you know, the fire comes down from heaven, just consumes the offering. Oh. Boom. Yeah, I love it. Uh, it's a great, it's a great, but after that, Elijah runs off scared. Uh, when we talk about him being a man with a nature like ourselves, you know, after seeing that, you think, you know, what, what's going to stop me? You know, like, what's going to stop the Lord? I'm going to, but no, he runs off scared and runs off and hides in the wilderness for 40 days. Who is he running from? Yeah, he was running from the, the evil king and queen. Uh, so then uh, he's uh, in, the, uh, in the wilderness, hiding in a cave, and God says, come out of the cave. So he comes out of the cave, and then, um, and then uh, Elijah listens for the Lord's voice. There's earthquakes, thunder, fire, wind, like just all these things. And after each one of them, he listens and listens, and, what, you know, and he doesn't hear God's voice until finally he hears that still, small whisper, that gentle Intimate whisper. I think a lot of times, like when my kids want to tell me a secret, they'll get really close and whisper into my ear, and it'll tickle. Uh, and it's, but you know, it's just that so that intimate close. I won't let you, any of you guys whisper in my ear like that. But I'll let them. Uh, you know, it's that that relationship, that closeness. Uh, and and I th- now, the the interesting thing about that is God's whisper was like you fired Elijah. I'm gonna we're gonna go bless Elisha, but that. That said, I know, right? It's like, that's a bit of a bummer, but at least God didn't do it in the thunder, right? Like, when you hear bad news, you'd rather somebody do it, like, in, in person. But, um, so anyways, the, the, the whole point being that God wants to speak to us in that still, small voice. He wants to speak to us in the gentle voice. A lot of times I'll talk to people and they'll be like, I don't know what God's will is for my life. I'm confused. I have all these choices. I have all these options. They're like, well, have you talked to him? Says, yeah, I'm trying to listen to the Lord. Okay. Do you know what his voice sounds like? Like, I know what my kid's voice sounds like because I hear it all the time. If you want to know what God's will is for your life, if you want to know what God's voice sounds like, spend time in his word. Amen. He's communicated to you. And then you'll recognize it when you're praying. Amen. So, I mean, that, um, the, the other point that I wanted to make is that prayer is, is, is powerful. Um, 
in the uh, in the in the verses where uh, we're, we were just reading, where it says, "Confess, pray, and you'll be healed," right? The um, it's important that uh, that I think confession is is, is a part of this. Uh, it's not. As we highlighted, it's not every sin causes sickness, and that, that healing isn't necessarily all physical. There, I think there's a there's a few ways to, to kind of interpret that healing. But before we get there, um, God wants us to be healthy, and sin destroys that spiritually and physically. Sometimes physically, but um, we can take a look at when we when we read through this part about healing. We could say, okay, it's it's entirely spiritual. James is being like metaphysical here and saying, okay, well. You, you pray and, and then you'll be healed, forgiven. Um, but I, I'm not going to parse the Greek for you guys, but that just, it doesn't make sense though. Uh, but what, uh, and I couldn't parse the Greek, I'm not, I don't want you guys to think I can. Um, but the, uh, the healing, another way to look at it, which I've heard in the past, is that the healing is eventual. We're promised in heaven we'll be healed, we'll be perfect. And so, and while that's true, that's also an inappropriate interpretation here. The healing is physical that he's calling on and spiritual. Um, but again, this this explanation makes sense when that prayer is couched in faith, in the sovereignty and the power and the will of God. When it's couched in 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 uh, in, in that relationship, that's when that prayer is powerful. So uh, again, Elijah is our example of what the, what a powerful prayer looks like. Says, you know, he, he had a nature of our like us. He's just like us, and uh, it says he prayer is a righteous man who prayed fervently. If you are praying today for something and you haven't heard an answer, don't stop. No answer doesn't mean no from God. No answer means continue. So when he talks about fervent prayer, like when it says that he prayed that the rain came back, he prayed, and then he sends his servant to the window, and the servant. He says, do you see anything? He says, no, I don't see anything. So he prays again. We go, no, I don't see anything. Praise it, praise it. And then he sees a cloud. And so like that, uh, that is the type of prayer. When we think about Daniel who prayed uh, for, for uh, he prayed, it talks about um, that as, as Daniel, as soon as Daniel began praying, God sent an angel. But he was delayed by spiritual warfare. So until you hear an answer, don't stop praying. I've even done this in my own life where I've, I've prayed and things have gone well, like, oh, I'm going to get a new job, yay, praise the Lord. And then I'm like, okay, I stopped praying, and then I get a, I get a phone call. Oh, yeah, paperwork's not working out. We're delayed. I'm like, God, I, just, I fasted for like a week. Like, what's going on? Like, I, I thought we were good. And so, no, like, keep, keep praying. Keep praying. Uh, and then finally, we talk about prayer as being spirit-filled and kind of what that means. Um, so it's difficult to look at these prayers and kind of know where to start because we see these, all these prayers. Like I said, the prayer of Jabez is a good prayer, but it, you know, it, it discounts everything of where Jabez was at. The prayer of Elijah, praying for these things, good things. But where was, uh, where was their life at? Where was their relationship with God at? Um, when we look at Jesus who prayed, he's known, uh, he's known for, for, for being... Uh, uh, a man of prayer. He would go off and seclude himself from the disciples and everyone and pray and come back in power. In fact, uh, there's the scene uh, in the New Testament where the um, disciples are crossing, trying to cross Sea of Galilee, rowing against the storm, and Jesus 
has gone off to pray, and then he comes back in power and walks on water, right? Mm-hmm. So um, we talk about what it means to be in the, the Spirit. I mean, Jesus is a good example uh, to us. Uh, in fact, Jesus has promised us his Holy Spirit. Uh, and his, one of the things that the Holy Spirit does is he intercedes for us in prayer. Mm-hmm. When we don't have the words, he, he knows he prays with us, prays for us. I, I've, I've experienced this personally in my life. I've been so utterly distraught, distressed, depressed, no words, fallen on my knees with nothing, but God has been there. I've been so, I've been angry, so angry, I've got no words to say to a God that would let something like that happen. And he's been there, and I've come to him. I've been so overjoyed, so amazed at the presence of God, that I had no words, and he, gave, he was there. So we need to pray um, and be spirit-filled. So uh, we need to pray, uh, again, to pray means to be rooted in, uh, prayer is rooted in God's righteousness. Uh, and we need, to, uh, we need to know that he will help us in those prayers. And he is sent to help to help us in those prayers. Um, so the one thing that we have... Uh, one of the things that we have we have recorded is the disciples asking Jesus to teach them how to teach them how to pray. They saw this the mighty power in Jesus in in his prayers, and they and they asked him to teach him. If you guys want to turn with me to Matthew six, six five. Jesus, yeah. We're gonna talk about the Lord's prayer, but remember, this isn't formula. This is this is this is real prayer. Jesus starts by identifying first what prayer isn't. Six, uh, five through seven says, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and in the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their, their reward. But when you pray, go into your room, shut the door, pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who is in secret will reward you. Prayer is not about impressing anyone else. Not there. Not important. How long you pray, uh, I, you know, it's not about that. It's about, uh, so we'll continue. In 7 it says, And when you pray, do not heap up empty praises, uh, empty phrases, as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask. Pray, uh, pray them like them. But um, prayer is not about impressing God either. You're, it's not about it's not about impressing anyone. God knows the knows what's going to happen. He knows what's going to pray. He knows what He's going to bless you with. He knows what He's going to withhold. He knows what 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 is involved. So. Trying to trying to quote scripture or trying to find something you know, meaningful and impressive to impress God, let's stop it. Just throw it down. Have a relationship with Him. Speak with Him. Speak from your heart. If you don't have the words, ask the Holy Spirit to give you the words. If He doesn't give you the words, sit in silence with God. Just that's what uh, that's what uh, prayer is about. So then, in nine, it says, you know, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be Your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we see in 10, he's calling out the sovereignty of God. 
both in nine, this is our father. Starts out relational. We're brought into that. My prayers need to be relational. It says, your kingdom come, your will be done. He says, your sovereign will, your authority reigns here. It reigns on my heart, and I want it to reign in my life. 11 says, give us this day our daily bread. And for, um, so pray, that, uh, pray for the healing. Pray for the, 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 that we're called to pray for. Pray for your needs. Bring them before the Lord so that he can bless you. And forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. This is, again, that, um, that confess and be forgiven, right? All those things from James are here. It's kind of amazing. And, um, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. I, I want us to... Um, uh, I want us to pray this together as a church. I just... Um, so if you've got it open, uh, let's, let's go ahead and uh, let's go ahead and just lift this up to the Lord. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Dear Lord, we just want to come before you. We just want to, we want our lives to be lives of prayer. We want our lives to be everything stuck together, Lord. We don't want to hide anything uh, in one uh, place from another, Lord. We want to bring uh, we want to bring you into our lives, Lord. We want to glorify you, Lord. We want to pray for the healing that you have. We want to pray for the the good things, Lord. We want to we want to honor you, Lord. We want we want to see the power. Uh, worked out in our lives, Lord, and worked out here, Lord, of, of you, Lord, of your spirit moving through this place, Lord. We want to we wanna, wanna lift you up and, 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 and just glorify you, Lord. I, I just pray that our lives would glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen.